Thank you, Jim. Thank you, uh, Marsha, for inviting me. And it's great to be here. I'm Liz. I'm an alcoholic, and I don't want to drink today, and I don't plan on it. Um, I guess uh, I have just just give you some basic facts about myself. I'm a 65 year old woman who has just recently retired from my professional work. Um, I live in Vermont in the Northeastern United States. It is, um, I think it's above zero now, but it wasn't this morning. <laughs> and um, I am sober a little over two years. January 6th of 2021 is my sobriety date. And uh, other things happened that day, but uh, that doesn't matter to this. Um, I'm on my own path. I don't have a higher power per se. I don't like to call it that, but I do have a deep foundation in the principles of Christianity. I was a practicing Christian when I came in here, which does not mean I have a higher power. Those are two completely different things. But, but that that um, background of the literature and the concepts of of Christianity, um, which to me is really just about loving your neighbor. That's it. Period. End of story. Um, that that is that is part of my path. Uh, so, in summary, I guess there's one thing um, one thing that I have in common with a lot of you is that I just plain couldn't stop drinking. I figured out eventually that I could not stop drinking, and so I I I um, and I didn't want to for a long time, but then I knew that I had to, but I couldn't. So that's the that's the short version. But it took me decades. It took me decades to get here. So do the math, right? I've only been sober two years and I'm 65 years old. It took me a long time to get here. Um, and in, in retrospect now, I, I, I look back on it. Um, I can see that I was an alcoholic from pretty early in my drinking time, not immediately, but I drank alcoholically almost right away. I didn't know that until very recently, really, until you know, until I really started looking at it and looking at the signals and signs. So I, uh, and I'll say I love my sobriety and I'm really grateful to be sober. And I don't drink, we always say one day at a time, but you know what, I just don't drink anymore. That's what I, I just don't drink anymore. Um, I might someday, but I, I just don't plan on it. Absolutely don't plan on it. So I'll start by telling you what it was like. Uh, I, 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 my childhood was good. It, it was for for who who I am in my age and the age in which I grew up. It was a good child. You know, there was like free range parenting, and I could do whatever I wanted. My mother wasn't home; she was off playing tennis and whatever. But you know, that wasn't that abnormal for for my childhood. And um. It was it was really fine. My parents were not alcoholics. Uh, there was not abuse in my family life, physical or um, really, you know, any kind of abuse, blatant abuse. Uh, what what there what there was not, however, is real emotional intimacy. There wasn't real love, and I I didn't. There was love, but not emotional intimacy. Nobody asked me ever asked me what I was thinking, what I cared about, um, how I felt about things. Um, everything was very practical. 
in our in our upbringing. So you know, not horrible stuff, but I just sort of that piece was missing. Learning how to actually connect with people was missing from my childhood. Um, and I I didn't I didn't have uh, so when I I've, I've learned a lot here since I've been here in the program. One of the things is that yeah people talk about people talk about the genetic disposition or the genetic uh you know component of alcoholism i don't think that existed in in my case and then but but the professionals also really say that environment is a huge factor that is particularly one of the biggest risk factors for alcoholism is the age at which you started drinking so if someone starts drinking at age 12, chances are much better. They're going to become an alcoholic. I had neither of those things. I didn't start drinking early. I didn't start drinking until I was 21. And uh, my parents were not alcoholics. There was alcoholism in the family, but not a lot. Um, so, So my feeling about all of this is that anybody can be an alcoholic. It is non-discriminating. Anybody with any background can become an alcoholic. That's the nature of the chemical. It can affect anybody's brain. You can make a rat into an alcoholic if you want to do that. Uh, just just feed them enough alcohol and they'll become addicted to it. So uh, anyway, so I didn't drink when I was a child, but I did start experimenting with drugs at age 13. Uh, my father was a doctor and he carried a medical bag, you know, like Marcus Welby uh, around with him. And in that bag, there were pills. And I found those pills just because I was, I was, I was a little bit uh, emotionally bereft. I didn't, didn't have, you know, I don't know. I don't really know, but maybe I was just a normal 13 year old and I wanted to experiment and find my own way and reject my, what my parents were telling me to do. So uh, I heard stories about uppers and downers and reds and yellows and things like that. And while I found those things in my father's doctor's bag, and he had this big, massive book called The Physician's Desk Reference, where I could look these things up and find out what they were. So, uh, so I experimented that way and, and uh, not, for, not for very long. Um, and at one point, the school nurse saw me um, I was really, really out of it one day at school uh, when I was 13 years old. And she called my parents and, and that was sort of a wake up call from my father. He was, he was really uh, mortified that I would have gotten into his doctor's bag and, and done that. Um, but in a way it was good. And the next thing that happened, the next thing that happened after that, the same person who sort of introduced me to this idea of experimenting with drugs introduced me to Christianity. And uh, and she was a born again Christian, and I just followed her right along, just like a puppy. And I went to her church, and I was saved. I was I had a religious experience. I had a conversion experience, and it was dramatic. Um, and it was uh, didn't stick um, for more than a few months. But what was good about it is that it sent me down a, just a better path. <clears throat> it just got me going on a better path which involved just being a better student and enjoying the intellectual life, enjoying art and enjoying nature. And, and I really had a great few years in high school, uh, really great few years. And I had a great few years in college and, and um, was just, I was just in love with, with, 
the academic life, I guess. And um, it was, but toward the end of my college career, some of my friends were, and you could, when I was in college, you could drink when you were 18 and there were keg parties and all that stuff. I never drank. I just didn't drink until I was a senior, until I was 21 years old. And um, someone just said, you know, I mean, I just saw my friends having fun. It was fun. They were having a blast. And I thought, eh, I can try this. Drank some beer and man, did I ever love it. I just loved it. It was, it just made me feel like, oh, I'm one of them. I can be, and I just, I just took off. It was a blast. Went to, you know, I went to a lot of parties, went to bars and danced on the tables and did all the things and got super drunk and got, you know, just went home with everybody. I didn't care who it was, uh, invited them home with me when, you know, the, all that stuff. And, and um, so really, I think I was drinking alcoholically, like right from the very beginning. But, um, but I, but I continued, um, I, I, I went along and I just, just, um, there were fits and starts. There was actually, there was a, a summer right after college, it was really the best few months of my life, um, where I was drinking a little bit, but hardly at all. Mostly I was living in a very remote place on the coast of Maine and I just absolutely loved it. I was so happy. Um, just beautiful. Life was it's beautiful but then actually the then i then i moved back into a more urban area for the winter um and i felt alone i felt lonely i lived alone and and i started drinking alone i started drinking alone at night i didn't need friends i just wanted to be alone at night and and i thought i was being really like productive i'd sit around in the evening and do stuff and make stuff and write stuff and drink stuff and thought I was being so, I don't know, heady, intellectual, smart, creative, all this stuff, but I was drinking alone and I was drinking hard stuff, like almost right away. I was drinking a whiskey and, um, because that's what I thought cool people or grown up people did. Um, only kids drank beer. I mean, even after just a couple of years, beer wasn't good enough for me. I needed something. Actually, I just needed something stronger. So, uh, and then it, it just, it just, uh, I, but I never got in, in obvious trouble in the sense that I didn't, um, I didn't have any car crashes. I didn't have any DUIs or anything like that. And I drank for 40 years. I drank for 40 years like that. And sometimes a lot, sometimes a little, but often alone. And I always thought that it was totally fine because I wasn't bothering anybody and I wasn't affecting anybody. It wasn't even really affecting myself. It was just a very civilized and grown up thing to do, to sit around at night and drink whiskey. Uh, and um, so I, di I did that for a long time and I, I had a career, a very successful career and uh, not in terms of money, but just, <laughs> Cause I, that's not, that's not the nature of my field, but I, but I've done really well and, and have a name for myself locally here where I live. And I was a musician. I had a, had a, a, a singing group that I directed, um, very well respected in that. Um, and, 
seemingly functional. Um, and at one point, I think this is about 15 years ago, someone someone said at a party, sort of in a joking way, she said, I'm a high-functioning alcoholic. And she was a very young woman. I don't think she was an alcoholic at all. She was just drinking and just sort of making a joke about being a high-functioning alcoholic. And I thought, hmm, maybe that's me. Maybe I'm a high-functioning alcoholic. So I began, I had begun really thinking, you know, years ago about, do I have a problem here? Am I an alcoholic? What does that mean? Um, but just didn't do anything about it. Got married in 1997, uh, adopted a son in the year 2000, um, who's 22 now. Um, and it was, he was a very difficult child. Um, and I love to blame him and my husband for the fact that I started really, my drinking really started taking off at that point. Um, really, when he was about two years old, I started drinking more heavily and more problematically and more noticeably to the people around me. Um, and by the time uh, by the time my son was about five or six years old, my husband started wondering what the heck was going on and asked me to get help. And I, by that time, I was I was yeah I was drinking privately. I was drinking in my room. I was hiding things, uh, hiding my bottles, uh, drinking, um, drinking gin out of like anything like a seltzer can, you know, just put it in something that makes it look like it's not gin. <laughs> and um, that was my favorite drink by the end. And I, and I just, uh, I don't know, all, you know, I had all the liquor stores memorized all around Northern Vermont so that I could, you know, I knew where they all were so that I could always go to a different one. I drove all over the place to go to different liquor stores so they would recognize me. <laughs> you know, all this shit, you know, you've heard it all, right? And, uh, you know, the big bottle in the closet, decanting into the small closet for the, lick, you know, the public place, all this stuff. I mean, it was just crazy. And, um, and, and, and then there came a time, you know, more like 10, 12 years ago, when I started saying every morning, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I dump the booze and I do it in a ceremonial way. I can go to a river or a creek or even a statue of the Virgin Mary. And I dump my booze. And, and then, you know, by three o'clock in the afternoon, I'd, I'd be at the next liquor store and I'd be buying some more. So that got pretty expensive. You know, you dump it, you buy more, you dump it, you buy more. Oh my God. And, um, and then, you know, then I started buying the cheap stuff. I better buy the cheap stuff. And, you know, cause I can't afford this. And then, no, I'm some more sophisticated than that. I'm going to buy the fancy stuff and, you know, just crazy stuff. So, um, back and forth, maybe I'll try just drinking only at my friend's house. Um, you know, so I tried all the tricks. Um, maybe I'll drink only on, you know, after a certain time. Of day. Anyway, it's just all the stuff you hear about. I mean, I did all that stuff. And, and, um, but I was having blackouts. I was not remembering what would, what happened the night before. My husband would say things like, I would say something to my husband like, oh, I think we should do X, Y, and Z today. And he'd say, you know, we talked about that last night. We had a whole conversation about that last night. Oh, yeah, of course we did. You know, yeah. And I'd say, oh, yeah, I remember when I didn't. I started writing things down at night because I knew that I wouldn't remember them the next day. So I'd write down what I actually did that evening, like what I watched on television. So I could get up in the morning and say, wasn't that a great episode of Seinfeld? That Because I knew I wasn't going to remember it oh my god 
And um, anyhow, all that shit. Um, but so so it, 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 in, in around, around 15, 16 years ago, I did actually seek help. I sought therapy and, um, and um, I worked with that. This guy was actually very helpful. He helped me with some spiritual stuff. Uh, he sent me to witch camp, actually. So I went to a, a pagan retreat, which was really quite, um, quite a, a, an amazing thing. Um, and I didn't drink for a week, which I thought was pretty great uh, when I was there. And um, I figured, well, if I cannot drink for a week easily, I mean, what's the problem? There's no problem. So, you know, I went back and back home and just started drinking again. And then just it just continued to progress. And the same thing happened um, a, a few years later. I went on a retreat and didn't drink for a week. And um, I thought, you know, if I, this was, uh, yeah, 15 years, you know, 10 years ago. And anyway, um, I just thought I'm fine. And, but I wasn't fine. I wasn't fine and I wasn't fine. And finally things happened in my marriage that required I, I pay some attention. and. And I finally did pay some attention and I finally found a therapist who was a recovering alcoholic and um, he helped me so much and he did not force me to come here. He did not make me come here. He did not make me go to rehab. I was, he gave me time. He gave me the several months that I needed to figure it out for myself. And he never told me what I had to do. He just told me what worked for him. And that was eye-opening because anybody else who had advised me previously had said you have to do x y and z this is what you need to do um and and he just waited he just waited for me to figure it out and and i figured it out finally and finally one day i said i just can't do this anymore i'm just so so tired of this i'm so tired of this and he just scrambled he said here's how you get on to here's how you get to aa this was um, right after the, you know, this was during the, the height of the lockdown. It was in pandemic year. And so it was, Zoom was it. That was all there was. And so he helped me get onto a Zoom meeting and and I found some people away from my home um, and uh, and signed into that meeting. It was a traditional meeting and I, and I, I still go to that meeting. It's my very first meeting and I, I still go there. Um, I don't like a lot of what they say there, but uh, it's my, I have so many friends there. And I finally just decided that I had to, I had to do step one. And I had to admit that I was powerless. And so I did. And I, and I, um, and I gave it up. And uh, then all hell fucking broke loose. <laughs> and and here's something that I want to say. Um, so, so this was a little more than two years ago, and it was, there was it, it took some. There were some fits and starts, but that that's the, the the long and short of it is it was January of of two years ago. But um, then the fog began to lift, and that's when really the hard work began. And so I want to actually quote from you a, an article that I found recently somebody somebody in the uh, sober she devils group posted this article that had appeared um just this past November by um 
about a woman's first year in sobriety. And I'm just going to read the first paragraph because it really, really struck me. She said, C.J. Thurlow is the author. And she said, sobriety tears you open and leaves you open. That is the simplest way I can explain it. There's no escape hatch, nowhere to run and hide. You take all the stabilizers off your life. There's nothing to hold on to because this is deeply internal work and you have to turn up every day. The work begins with one simple seismic instruction, do not drink. But beneath that is a cavern in which lifelong questions reverberate, bellowing for answers. That, yeah, that kind of says it all for me. It's it's uh, everything, it, it was like everything was new. It was like the rug was pulled out from under me and my family members and my friends. Um, it's just like the stabilizers were gone. And that alcohol was my stabilizer, was my friend, was my best friend, um, was the thing I could depend upon day after day. Um, and it wasn't there anymore. So I had to start really looking. I remember I had a friend who who had cancer a few years ago and I didn't, not somebody that I knew very well. One day I saw her after a couple, after a few months, I hadn't seen her. And, um, and I looked at her and I said, something's different. Did you get your hair cut? And she was actually wearing a wig, but I couldn't tell because she had just had chemotherapy. And, and she said, she just looked at me and she smiled and she said, it's all new. <laughs> and that's how I feel about this. It's all new. <laughs> it's all new. And, and um, in a really amazing, good way, in a really amazing, hard way. Um, so who am I? Who are my friends? I, I had to, I, I had to ditch some friends. I, I had, you know, not because they were alcoholics themselves, but just, just uh, not good for me. And um, they were drinking buddies, but not necessarily alcoholics. I had to end, end um who, what is friendship even? <laughs> and what is family? Who's my family? Uh, what does my family mean? What does all this mean? It's just all stuff that I put aside for those 40 years when I was drinking. I mean, that sounds dramatic, but it really feels that way. But what I'm doing now, I'm just, you know, so I'm doing this work. I'm trying to just be a better human being. Um, and that's really what, I'm, that's why I come here. I'm looking for inspiration and wisdom and I take it from wherever I can get it. Um, I don't, uh, my meditate, my form of meditation is I walk outdoors. I try to do that every day. Um, I don't have a higher power. I don't think anything's higher, lower or anything. There's power, but nothing. Nothing higher about it uh, for me. Um, let's see. And as far as what I do in the program, I show up every day. I show up more than once a day usually. Um, to me, that is something that just, it's a, it is a stabilizer for me. That is a stabilizer that um, is a replacement stabilizer. And I think it's a good one and a healthy one. And uh, if anybody tells me I'm going to too many meetings, that's none of their business. It's mine. And I can go to as many meetings as I want. And I, I love Zoom. I love Zoom. So I can go to as, as many meetings and wherever and whenever I want. I stay close to the fellowship, both traditional and secular. I have friends 
everywhere. And I have a small core group of friends who I trust and meet with regularly, talk with regularly. Um, I do service when I can. Um, I show up when I'm asked to show up. And I um, and I do a lot of the coffee making variety. I don't literally make coffee, but I do a lot of Zoom hosting, you know, background work. So I, you know, service keeps me sober. Uh, that's what I do. And I, I just, I, I try to learn. I'm just trying to learn. And so uh, I'm going to leave it at that. And I, I really appreciate your inviting me to come here today and, and thanks a lot.